Amen. My name is Marco. I have the privilege of serving as the student ministry pastor here at Southwind. So glad that you guys could be here. A couple years ago, my wife and I, we were expecting our first son. And we were, we were excited. We were energetic about this entire process. And over the, 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 the term of the nine months of awaiting this beautiful child to be here. One of my favorite memories, one of my favorite times was when my wife and I, we sat down around our kitchen table and we said, all right, we gotta figure this out. What are we gonna name our son? We pulled out a a notepad, some paper, a pen, and just started writing down some names, some really good ones, some really funny ones, some that should never see the light of day again. And since high school, I've always wanted to name a son Grizzly. I was excited about it. You know, it was normal for a Vegas boy, uh, urban as can be, to want to name a child Grizzly, right? That, that's just what I wanted to do. I was excited about it. My wife, not so much. So anything that I was trying to think of had to go with Grizzly. So we were going through names, we were going through names, and finally settled on Theodore Grizzly Mare. And there's actually a picture of our family right there. Right there, there it is. That's my son Theodore, the bigger one, um, my wife Jordan, and then our newborn Maverick. But we, we, we picked Theodore Grizzly because it carried some strength, it carried some power. Right now he's little, he's cute, he's a little tenacious. Um, so we call him Teddy. But as he gr- gets older, He'll grow into that name, Grizzly. And a couple, couple weeks ago, my wife gave birth to our second son, who you can see right there. His name is Maverick. And since spring of 2018, one of our favorite spots nearby is Half Moon Bay. And near Half Moon Bay, there is an area, a beach called Mavericks. And every time we drive past this area, we are just astonished. We are in awe of the power right there. So we're like, perfect, Maverick. And my wife, Jordan, wanted to honor her father, and so we gave Maverick his first name. So Maverick James Marin. We're excited about these two boys, but aside from first names or middle names or even last names, there are some names that carry some power, some names that have big shoes to fill, like names in history, like Albert Einstein, Rosa Parks, Nelson Mandela, Abraham Lincoln, John F. Kennedy, Theodore Roosevelt, William Shakespeare. Or some names in pop culture like Elvis, Babe Ruth, Walt Disney, Madonna, Bruce Lee, Johnny Cash, Beyonce, Kobe, or LeBron James. All of those names carry some weight. All of those names bring up a memory. Whether it's good or bad, it takes you back to a moment when you first thought of them. A name is a major part of someone's identity, of who they are. Some people prefer their name to be well-known and others not so much. Yet there is a name far greater than anything you could ever imagine. A name that is incomparable, a name that is above all names. You know, names and titles in this context are a little interchangeable. Just like if you went to medical school and spent years and years and years, what's your title? You're a doctor, right? Doctor, insert your name. And today, we're gonna go through a couple names and some titles that God goes by, like Jehovah Jireh, Abba Father, Adonai, Emmanuel, Alpha and the Omega, 
wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, Jesus, the good shepherd, the great physician, a friend of sinners. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been going through a summer-long series called Summer Songs, and we've been going through different chapters. Every single pastor that has gotten on this stage has gone through a chapter of this lengthy book. We've given memory verses, we've given a handout for a 90-day guide through the book of Psalms, and today we're gonna be continuing through Psalm 8. And David, the author of this psalm, is going to ask us a very important question. Why is God's name so majestic over all the earth? Why is his name above all other names? Why is there no rival? Why is there no equal? Why is there no fair comparison? Why is God's name so majestic? And I'll tell you up front, God's name is so majestic because of his glory, because of his love, and because of his grace. I think Psalm 8 is going to point us to the reality that our God is a compassionate, glorious, loving, gracious God through this entire chapter. And as you turn your Bibles and your smartphones to Psalm chapter 8, Psalm chapter eight begins and, and ends the same exact way. It's called an inclusion when the first verse and the last verse all point to the middle context. Verse one and verse nine are identical, pointing to verse two through eight. And verses two and four talk about the weakness in, of humanity and how God displays his power through that. One of the things that I love about this psalm, as I was studying, it, it just popped out, I think. It talks about wonder. It talks about glory. It talks about weakness. It talks about glory. It talks about weakness and ends with wonder. It's this rhythm. It's this pathway. I don't think Psalm 8 calls us to any specific application other than worship, astonishment, and awe of our God that our God is mindful of you, that God cares for you. And you could even go on to say, even you, even you. And that humanity crowned us with, and, and, and then God crowned us with glory and responsibility. Read it with me in Psalm 8, chapter one. David is addressing the, the choir master using an instrument and says, oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foe and still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. Yet you have made him lower than any, then you've made him lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hand. You've put all things under his feet, all the sheep, all the oxen, also the beasts of the field, the birds in the heaven, the fish in the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. So why is God's name so majestic in all the earth? Well, I think we can point at and we can look at in verse one that we just read, oh Lord, or Lord, or oh our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth? You have set your glory above the heavens. Oh Lord, 
our Lord. If you translate that to the original language, it would sound something like, O Yahweh, our Adonai, O God, our Master. David starts with a psalm using the covenant name of God, Yahweh. This is your name. You have established relationship with us. He's established his position with us. Yahweh, this is you. You are Lord. You are our Adonai. You are our master. O Lord, our Lord. There's something different about his name. It's majestic. It's honorable. It's king-like. It's glorious. Above all, majestic is your name in all the earth. And there's several places through scripture we can find that. We can look at Exodus 15, 6. It says, your right hand, Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, Lord, shattered the enemy. His royal attributes highlighting victories. We see it in Psalm, in 1 Samuel 4, 8, and in Psalm 76, displacing his might and judgment. His name is glorious. It's majestic. There is no place on earth, near or far, high or low, where God's name is not ruling and reigning supreme. In every tongue, every tribe, every nation, every single corner of the earth, God's name is majestic. Look, on, look, look at how David ends verse one. You have set your glory above the heavens. David starts with wonder, with wow with astonishment. I don't know if you've ever sat back and just pondered on that. Ever look, maybe in your backyard, Tracy's a really cool spot for this because when I tried doing this in Vegas, all I saw was like lights. But here in Tracy, when you look outside in your backyard at maybe now it's like 11 p.m. once everything cools down, you just look up and see wonder. You see the expanse of the heavens. And he moves on and catches us in a little off guard. He begins to talk about why God's name is so majestic and powerful. Verse one and verse nine describe the wonder, the glory, and the awe of God's name. And verse two through eight describe why. Verse two, he's talking about the babies and the infants. David is highlighting the weaknesses in humanity. A baby needs everything to be provided for them. At 2 a.m. when Maverick is crying, we have to provide for him. David is highlighting the weakness in humanity. There's none like him. And David in verse three goes on to say that he looks up to the heavens, to the moon, to the stars. David is gaining perspective. It's important to gain perspective, right? Say right. Right. It's important to gain perspective. David is recognizing his perspective without sounding redundant. I think that's where we should be this morning. We need to recognize our perspective. We get caught up in routine. We, we try to do this and that. We worry about our habits. We worry about pressures and struggles, worries and temptations right here, right now, right in front of us. We are constantly thinking about what's next, what's happening next. But there's this microscopic reality that we need to sometimes take a step back and gain perspective. Parents, you know this. Maybe your day sounds a little like, no, 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 don't do that. Stop, don't do that. Teddy, get off the table. Don't do that. Stop jumping. Stop pooping. Go to bed. Just take a shower. Go to bed. Fall asleep. Maybe that's what your day looks like. And if it does, you need to get perspective. Because after a long day, 
you may sit back after running through the house, getting everything ready for tomorrow and start to think, how can I do this again? I've been there. I've asked the question, how can I do this again? And David says he took a step back and looked up. It's challenging to look at the microscope in our lives and sometimes it's blaring. Sometimes it's right in front of us. And sometimes I need to be reminded that my kids are a blessing, that they are a gift from God. And this grace to me, even on the most challenging day, is a grace gift from God. It's not just our children, maybe it's your job day in, day out. There's pressures to perform, mouths to feed, people to impress, whatever it may be, take a step back. David takes a step back, looks at the heavens, sees the same moon, the same stars, the same wonder and glory that we see today. It's beautiful to recognize. It's beautiful to recognize our perspective at times. Have you ever taken a step back? When's the last time you looked at a sunset and just sat in awe at the beauty that God created? When was the last time you looked at the, the waves crashing on the beach? When was the last time you appreciated and sat in awe of the dead grass going over the Altima? <laughs> when was the last time you appreciated a breath of air? Here's a kicker. Have you ever looked up in this building just at the structural support? It's pretty cool. It's beautifully designed to hold up the pressures of the roof. If it failed, we wouldn't be in here, right? It's been beautifully designed, intricately designed to hold the pressures of the roof and to keep us safe. When we look at details, it can cause so much anxiety, but there's so much beauty in it. You know, one of the things that I love being, the, the, one of the things I love about being Teddy's dad is that I get to watch him play. Just yesterday, I was, uh, we had his birthday party yesterday, and after everybody had left, he kind of started to cool off of his sugar high, you know? So he's sitting in his playroom. He's got this, like, toy where, like, you put a square block into a square peg and then go on with other shapes, right? But, like, it's really cool. I've never seen it before because it's like a circular thing, and when you pull it apart, all the shapes come out, Right? So he's sitting in his playroom and he's trying to get the, the, the shapes into this toy. He's jamming them in. He's hitting it on the floor, trying to get the shape into the thing where a square kind of peg doesn't go into a circular hole, right? So he's playing, he's figuring it out. And finally he got to this, to this weird like cross shape thing and he couldn't figure it out. He was trying to put it in the triangle. And what did he do? What any natural two-year-old would do. He chucks it across the room, right? He chucks it across the room. He kind of chills out for a second, lays on his back, freaks out for a second. And he gets up, he gets the toy, and he tries again. That's the beautiful nature of our humanity. We return to God's beauty and glory and wonder and awe and astonishment. His beauty it's glorious. And it just doesn't stop there. It goes on to read in verse three. It says, I look up at the moon, the stars and the heavens. These are the things but the work of your fingers. Glory. 
This is nothing for you, is what David says. Probably thank God this was no sweat for you, right? You did it before lunch, right? The expanse of the heavens, you knit it together with your fingers. But he goes on to say and leads us to this question. What is man? Who am I? Why me, God? What is it about man that you are mindful of us, that you care for us? And these two verses right here, verse three and four, are our memory verse for the week. It says, when I look up at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for? Take some time. Read that. Take it in. Every single pastor that's gone up here has challenged you with that question, with that same challenge. Recognize your perspective and recognize your value. Here's a couple questions. You ever ran like a certain, certain distance? Maybe you're a runner, maybe you're not a runner. If you're a runner, you've probably ran at least a 5K. If you're not a runner, you've ran from something, right? <laughs> your, your, your blood starts pumping. You get excited, right? You feel like you're at the top of your game. You ever done a pull-up and then just like instantly looked in the mirror for your abs and your, your muscles? Right? I've done it. We for sure have done it. We've all done that. We feel strong. You've ever been somewhere where you just feel completely small? You ever been to like a Raider game or to a Giants game or an, or an A's game where there are hundreds, thousands, depending on the venue, hundreds of thousands of people all around you and you feel small? You thought the top of your game from getting that promotion and then some financial burden happens. Or maybe you ran a marathon and then injured yourself. You won a sports tournament and something happens, you lose your trophy. It's going to happen. And David in that moment, he asked that question, who am I? Who am I? God's response could have been, yeah, who are you? But God says, I know you, I care for you, and I am mindful of you. In other translations, the word mindful translates to a phrase that says, you have visited me, that God visits with us, that he is an interpersonal God that comes to spend time with us. And the, the verb care doesn't mean that he cared for us, that he, he knit us together, he put us all together, and when we are on this earth, we're on our own. No, it means he cared for us back then, he put us together, he cares for us right now in everything that we're going through, and he cares for us in the future with everything that's going to be coming our way. Our God is so good in that way. He demonstrates care for you, even you. Why is God's name so majestic on all the earth? It's because God's name is majestic and his glory and his love and his grace runs all over you. You know, sometimes I like to think back that because God is really big and really cool and really awesome, that he could have just like created everything to happen, like, Boom, done, right? And then kind of like sit back and watch Netflix, like watching us on a TV, just like we do with our favorite TV shows, you know? And he could have just been chilling in heaven, watching us. Hey, you're doing that good, good job. Hey, good job. But he rolls up his sleeves and he gets in our lives with us. 
He is with us. We recognize our value because we are his. Even we are, when we are tempted to believe otherwise, like I am at times, and we ask the question, God, are you listening? Do you even care about the situation that I'm going through right now? Do you even know what it's like to be in my position with the weight and the pressures that I'm carrying right now, God? You don't even know what I'm going through. Are you actually there, God? And David says that God is compassionately mindful of you and that he is with you, that he created you, he sees you, he loves you. It's a beautiful reminder, even when our heart says otherwise. This word is true, that I see you, I love you, I care about you, and I am mindful of you. God's compassion continues because in verse six through eight, we see that God has given us a representative responsibility. It's a phrase that I'm gonna start using as I was kind of studying this week, representative responsibility. God gives us an opportunity to represent him because in Genesis one, we see that God created you and me, humanity, and gave us something to do. He didn't just say, hey, do whatever you want. Go have fun. He gave us responsibility. He gave us an identity as image bearers and gave us a purpose. And with our purpose, we recognize our value. With God saying, go, be, enjoy, be a representative of my name. And notice what it says in verse six through eight. It says, you have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. And David goes on to talk about all the things that God mentions, all the sheep, all the oxen, all the beasts of the field, the birds of the heaven, the fish of the sea, whatever passes among the paths of the sea. This God created all of it, crafted it all together to interwine perfectly together. That same God is mindful of you, that he created you, he granted you an opportunity and a responsibility. God says, represent me. It would have been enough for him just to notice us, to create us, but he gave us an opportunity. He gave us an opportunity to represent him. My greatest value in life is to be a representation of him, to work dominion over this and that, using my giftings and my talents to reveal God's name. We're blessed with talents, giftings, passions to serve God in our world and in our church. And this last week, I asked a couple students to come help me with a project to kind of highlight what's happening in our ministry. Check it out. Hello, I'm Landon Bertrand, and I'm going into my freshman year at Millennium High School. My name is Isaac Webb. I am an underclassman boy, and I am homeschooled. My name is Nathan Webb. I'm homeschooled and going into my senior year. Hi guys, my name is JD. I just recently graduated high school. A student ministry leader has helped me grow in my faith, spread the gospel, and they have helped me to invite others to church. Some of the things that my leader has taught me is that even though things might not go your way, or they might not be your original plan, God will eventually lead you to that plan even though it may take a while. Uh, he's taught me to always think on the bright side. Sometimes they don't give me the answer straight up. Sometimes they give, me, they give me Bible references and different resources so that I can find the answer on my own. That way I grow a lot more than if they had just told me. They're always there for me. 
He's been a really good role model to me. I know that they're always there for me. I know that if I have any questions, um, I know that they're gonna have the answers or they're gonna point me in the, uh, in a way that I can find those answers. Some characteristics of a student ministry leader are... Some great characteristics of a student ministry leader. They come to the midweek with a smile and they really care about everything we have to say. Very friendly with other people. They're always fun and dynamic. They're always uh, upbeat and they're very enthusiastic to see me. They're, they're very excited. Um, and I know that whatever I'm going through, I know that they can, they know what kind of a day I've been through by the way I'm acting, just because they know me and they know my experiences. And they're always there for me. They're always willing to, uh, to get to know more about me. They're funny, they're open, they're like a big brother. Um, I can really talk to them about stuff. They throw in some jokes, they show me some funny videos. Be a person who has experienced things that other people may not have and they've gone and fought through those things or they learn from their mistakes and they teach us about how to get through your mistakes. I think they should be a person that you can contact at any time, um, a person that you just feel comfortable talking to. And they bring candy to small group. We have some of the world's greatest student ministry volunteers in our church, guys. These people are some of my favorite people in all the earth. They serve as big brothers, big sisters, mothers, fathers, grandma, grandpa figures for every single one of our students in our ministry. But we need more. We need more. As we keep growing, as our student ministry is growing, as our church is growing, we need volunteers across the board. We need to be representing God's name by serving our church. You know, on our, in our student ministry center across campus, we have a giant banner that shares our mission statement. We exist, Southwind students exist, to help students become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. That's what happens when leaders, students, parents, pastors all team together, roll up their sleeves, get in the trenches with our students with everything that they have going on right now to help them grow in the word, feel welcome, become role models for their peers in their neighborhoods and schools. God has given us a part in his story. You ever seen a movie based on a true story? You know when uh, you, you've had to have seen a TV show or a movie that's based on a true story. You know what they do? They bring in the real life characters that the events happen to and they match them together with the actors, right? That way the real life person can tell the actor, hey, this is what happened here. You uh, maybe raise your voice a little bit, yell at them a little more sternly. Like it, they, they give them tips and tricks on how to represent them well in the either movie or TV show. Perfect example is the Goldbergs on ABC. Maybe it's your favorite show. Maybe you've never seen it before. But Adam Goldberg, as he's growing up, he's taking video, right? This is a real thing that happened. He took video, and they actually show that video in the TV show. And at the end of some of the episodes, they have Adam's real mom and Adam's TV mom together, and they're bantering back and forth, sharing highlights, the, mo the real mom's giving uh, the TV mom tricks on how to best mother Adam at the age of 12, or, or, or they just go back and forth. And we see this 
kind of creation of this story, this plot line go through as they reenact and relive the story. Or maybe another, another example is The Blind Side. It was a hit movie a couple years ago where a mother helps this, uh, this child that needs help. He's in the foster care system. She and her family take him in. They help him on his journey to the NFL. The movie was based on a book, which was based on a real life event that happened. The Tolley family in real life took in Michael helped Michael, built him up, helped him gather an education, helped him get into college, helped him get into the NFL. It's a feel-good movie. You haven't seen it, sorry, I ruined it for you. <laughs> but guys, we've been given the screenplay that God has aligned. We've been given understanding of where God wants us to be, to be aligned with him. And it's on us to actually meet with him, to know how to represent him, how do we do that? We spend time with him. And honestly, there are some days when I think about that and I laugh and I'm like, me? You want me to represent you? You want me to do that? God, you should probably find someone else. Today, I'm a little busy, you know? That, those are things that run through my mind at times. And I'm sure you've thought them as well. We might as well go back to verse four and ask the question, who am I? What is man that you are mindful of him? Who am I that God, you are mindful of me? And as we read Psalm 8, we could look in the New Testament, book of Hebrews chapter 2, verse 6 through 8. And at the same time, this takes us one step closer to fulfillment. Check it out, what it says. It says, there's a place where someone has testified, talking about Psalm 8. What is mankind that you are mindful of him, a son of man that you care for him? You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under his feet. I put everything under them. God left nothing that is not subject to them. At the present, we do, not see, we do not see everything subject to them, but we see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everybody. That's a great spot to say amen. The writer of Hebrews highlights the failure of humanity to fulfill Psalm 8 but celebrates that one man can fulfill Hebrews 2. What you and I could not fulfill in Psalm 8, Jesus steps in and fulfills it perfectly. He is crowned with glory. He's placed lower than the angels for a little bit. He suffered death so that we wouldn't have to in him. And in Jesus, we become the righteousness of God. What is man? Who am I? Jesus steps in and says, you are mine. You are mine. I see you and I step in. Why is God's name so majestic in all the earth? Wonder in him, his glory, our weakness, his glory, our weakness, and wonder in his name. You know, at the, at the beginning of this message, I gave you a couple examples of names and titles that God goes by. It's only fitting to help explain that for you. Jehovah Jireh means provider. Abba, Father, is like our, 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 our dad. It's like an intimate relationship with a two-year-old and a father, daddy. Adonai, master, Emmanuel, God with us. Alpha and the Omega, beginning and the end. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. 
Jesus being Messiah, the good shepherd, being our overwatcher, someone who is constantly looking over us, a physician, a healer, a friend of sinner, a friend. One of my favorite ones. The Bible is jam-packed with names and titles of God, and my suggestion for you would be to look over that and study that. Gather just one and study all that you can learn about God. Lean in on it. Learn as much as you can about God from that name and title and maintain that cycle. Recognize your perspective like David mentions in verse three. Maintain your perspective. If you're looking too close, zoom out the lens in your life. Take a step back. Gather perspective on what's going on. Recognize your value, that you are a son, you are a daughter, you are a child of the King Most High, and you have been given representative responsibility to share his name. To serve Christ's church, to serve his church by volunteering somewhere. Doesn't have to be in student ministry. Maybe you've got an angelic voice and would like to serve on our worship team. Maybe you can wave and say hello. If you can wave and say hello, you can fit anywhere here. Maybe you're a caring, compassionate individual waiting to be asked. If that's you, that's your ask. We are asking you to serve God's church. We are, we've all been given representative responsibility. We are to represent God's name here on this campus in Tracy, in Mountain House, in Lathrop, and wherever we go. Listen to the request from God's word. Lean in on that. Every single one of us has representative responsibility in God's name. Let me pray.